Hello sci-fi fans, this is Kate Vernon from Battlestar Galactica, and you are listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. You are listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. And now, bringing you the latest in science fiction movies and television shows, here are your here are your This is the capital. We have a little problem with our empathy. So we may experience slight turbulence and then explode. I got a bad feeling about this. Walter, put the cow away, would you? What is this place? It's a freak show. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 138. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. Hello, I am Miles P. McLaughlin. And we are excited to be back here bringing you news and interviews in the world of sci-fi. How you doing, Miles? I'm doing very good, thanks. And uh, wow, it, it feels, I, I always say this, it feels like forever because we don't do this like, I guess we do it like weekly or we're trying to do it weekly, but mm-hmm. sometimes it doesn't happen. And uh, But we're just, we're just great to... To be in this world, and we have some new TV shows that are out, not new, returning TV shows mm-hmm. that are out, Falling Skies, right. Alphas, and Warehouse 13 are coming up. Mm-hmm. We've got plenty to talk about regarding that. Some good movies coming up. Some good stuff happening in the world of sci-fi. Yeah. You know, one of the things we didn't mention, and let's talk about it. We won't give any spoilers here, but they released another Spider-Man trailer. Okay. Uh, do you feel like you've seen the whole movie, Miles? <laughs> it's almost it, – yeah, I, I, I almost – could probably almost draw an outline for it. You know? Yeah, there, there's so many trailers about it, and I still kind of want to see it in theaters. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I will, right. but, uh, and I hope some of you listeners out there will see it and let us know how it is and maybe mm-hmm. convince me to go see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, you know, I feel like there's so many trailers that's kind of just kind of uh, spoiled the movie for me a little bit. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong too, but I, I, I agree. It looks like they've – you know. They, they they probably teased this to death and yep. uh, maybe given away too much. Yeah, who knows? Mm-hmm. Who knows? But we've had great conversations about it on our Sci-Fi Diner Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you aren't a member of our Facebook fan page, come join us. I know that not everyone's a Facebook junkie, so you can follow us on Twitter or mm-hmm. you know hit us in the forums and, and so forth. But with that, that's really it. I mean, what's going on in our Sci-Fi world? Falling skies. It's probably the big thing. That, yeah, that, that came back the last Sunday, and, and boy, uh, did it come back! I loved it. We'll talk about that in our listener feedback episode. But but two hours wow. of, of falling skies. Was oh, great. it was a great Father's Day present for me. Awesome. Yep. So, uh, <clears throat> so let's move into our show. What mm-hmm. is on the docket for the show tonight, Miles? Well, we are going to be releasing our interview with Kate Vernon that we did Far Point Twenty Twelve, right? buddy, and she was fantastic. Um, we'll be uh, reading the trivia question again, and oh, by the way. The Kate Vernon interview was with uh, Richard Greer, right? No, who's the guy that it's Mark? Um, oh yeah, um, what's the gentleman's name? He, from he, Autograph audition, yeah, Autograph Magazine. So right. look it up. Mm-hmm. But he's going to be in on the interview too, and you'll hear him. Yeah, he was able to ask her some questions that we weren't able to because of time. Yeah, and so we kind of uh, play off of each other, I think. So you'll hear both voices kind of appearing in the interview. But Anyways, go on. But we want to hear the whole thing. Uh, in TV news, we have uh, some fringe news and. Um, some, some news uh, about the ratings of, of, of some of the shows that we're all watching. So by the time this comes out next week, you some of these ratings will be old, but mm-hmm. 
they're still kind of valid as far as what they say and what we what they talk about, and they let us know, like especially with Falling Skies, how it's doing. Yeah, it gives you an idea of maybe the future of uh, some of these shows. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Movie news: we we finally have a Judge Dread trailer. Oh, we have a Judge Dread trailer. <laughs> right. So Carl mm-hmm. Urban, right? Right. I think I, I think this. You know, I I think the Sylvester Stallone one maybe gets a little too much hate, but I think. Carl Urban is going to breathe a lot of life into this. Oh, franchise. yeah, definitely. And they, they're saying uh, – we'll talk about this later. But they're saying truer to the original comic. That's right. What I think that's what they're saying. Right. In, in Patio Book? Um, you're going to give us a review of uh, Earth Core by Scott Ziegler. Ooh, yeah. and it's an oldie but a goodie. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And in this week's twist, um, so Data and Kiva Fajo reunion, well, sort of. And a new IDW uh, Star Trek The Next Generation comic uh, series featuring DeBorg, penned by uh, Mr. Brandon Braga. Yep. And our sci-fi five and five? Um, I thought we would do some um, Rodney McKay quotes. Uh, All the geek cast are going to love us. So, um, Mike and Alan, um, here's to you. Uh, but uh, I thought, you know, R- Rodney McKay had some great quotes. Um, one, one, you know, one of the great characters from the, the Stargate franchise. <laughs> Absolutely. One of, the, one of the memorable ones. You loved him and hated him at the same time. But you want him on your side. If you were in a jam and if you had a problem, you know, this is the guy you want. Yeah. You know, I'm going to tell you, Stargate, the franchise, this is one of the, this is one of the franchises that I am missing from television. Because what it gives a good 14 years plus of good Stargate action in its different incarnations and – I would love to see more of that come back. Uh, uh, right. Uh, they're up there with the Star Trek franchise. Sure. Uh, as far Wars. as – Yeah, Star Wars. But Star Wars really didn't do anything with TV though. No, it didn't do anything with TV, you know. Unless you count Clone Wars. But uh, but but you're right. There's a huge body of work of Stargate, um, like, you know, almost 15 years worth. I mean if you if you would want to get into Stargate now, you could have yourself going all summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unless you're you, Miles, you do it in two months. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did watch through through um, it very fast, and, and I didn't watch Stargate or Stargate Atlantis when it was originally on. But after watching the last episode of Atlantis, I was kind of sad because I knew this was it. I mean, um, I still haven't tackled the cartoon yet, but I hear that's. Uh, I, I tried the cartoon. It just it's just not the same. Not the same. Not no. the same. Well, Miles, bring us into this week's trivia. This is actually a continuation of a trivia, and we actually are extending this trivia, right? Sure. So we are recording a show next week uh, due to my schedule more than likely. And then right after July 4th, which is Independence Day here in the U.S., Mm -hmm. for those of you international listeners, you, of course, know that. But uh, the 5th, we're going to be recording our next show. So you actually have until the 5th to actually own a piece of Michael Hogan, right? Right. I mean, who doesn't want to own – you know, Colonel Ty himself. Uh, he he autographed this picture himself. His with DNA, lots of love, with lots of love, and his DNA's on it. So you could probably clone your own Michael Hogan. Right? Hey, and who doesn't want a Michael Hogan to keep them in line? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fantastic picture of him. This would make a great uh, piece for your autograph. Uh, All questions. they have to do is answer this trivia question. Okay, this is the question, and name an actor who's seen on Battlestar Galactica who's played two different characters. And and the clue is it's not a Cylon. Yep, not a Cylon. And the code word for it? Dratus. Dratus. Uh, we've gotten a couple great answers in here. You've mm-hmm. taken this different directions than we thought, at least initially. But we're going to accept those answers anyways because they're all good. Right. I, you, you, our listeners, uh, are very intelligent. Um, there's things I didn't think of when I, when I came with this question. And so we have to, you know, there's more answers that we have to accept. Yep, absolutely. So uh, my hat's off to you. Yep, absolutely. And so 
bunch of you are in the running for it, but you still have time to own a piece of him. Well, I believe that's it for trivia. Thanks, Miles, for bringing in the trivia. My pleasure. Let's move into our first promo tonight. This is a promo for the DVD Geeks right. podcast. So tell me a little bit. You're still listening to them? I'm still listening and enjoying DVD Geeks. Um, uh, John and Mary uh, do a good job of uh, reviewing um, new DVDs and Blu-rays that come out um, and also maybe some cl- – Classics, not just movies, but it's also TV shows. Anything that's released, released straight to DVD or Blu-ray, they'll they'll look at it, and what they'll they'll what they'll do for you is let you know, you know, whether this DVD or Blu-ray is worth you know owning, renting, or maybe just avoiding altogether. Right, right. You know, and Mary's one of these people we should have on for one of our rewinds. She'd be perfect for it. I would love to. Well, we have to have Mary on again at least get get her. Um, uh, Vegas Con. Um, oh yeah, get her on to talk about Vegas Con a little. Bit. But but yeah, I, I, we definitely have to have Mary on again. All right. Well, so here's a promo for DVD. A little bit of, if I can speak here, here's a promo for the DVD Geeks podcast. It's the DVD Geeks. Real fans with real opinions. Every Monday from 7 to 8 p.m. Central on FearlessRadio.com. FearlessRadio.com. Remember, scene selection is not a special feature. The DVD Geeks on FearlessRadio.com. For more information, point your web browser to DVDGeeks.tv. We are back. Let's jump into some TV news. Right. Let me go ahead and take this first piece. It's Fringe. Come on. I, I, I love talking about Fringe, and we just don't get enough Fringe over the summer, unfortunately. Although I hear you're still going through season one. How's it going for you? It's going well. I'm not th- through it completely yet, so it, it, it's good to see you know the early Walter-Peter uh, relationship. Oh, yeah. Uh, and a little bit more tense, huh? A little bit more tense, and, and Walter maybe not – well, for me, Walter at his best, just being Walter. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm and I'm all really, his foods. So I'm really enjoying that. Yeah. Well, Fringe Exec offers first peek at season five, which is set when we're going to find out here. Mm-hmm. It seems that the rumors are true. Fringe's final season will apparently be very different from our first four years. We're talking different decades, different. Now, before I go on, if you are a person that does not want to know anything about the future of the show. You may want to fast forward a few minutes here because I don't want to spoil it for you, but this might do it for you if you think it does. John Noble, who portrays everyone's favorite mad scientist, Dr. Walter Bishop, we were just talking about him, Mm -hmm. has dropped an apparent bombshell to TV line. The majority of the fifth season will take place in the Observer's ruled world of 2036 that we glimpsed in the season four episode Letters of Transit. Hello, future. As far as I know, we're just jumping ahead to 2036, Noble said. Walter, Olivia, Astrid, and Peter are insurgents. Are insurgents. So we know all the dirty tricks that have been played against us. We'll be learning from the past. But, Noble added, the time between won't be forgotten and could be referenced as found footage to cover major movements of interest. If you're wondering why Noble mentioned Olivia and a tour who is missing in the future we glimpsed in Letters of Transit, he said Tor will definitely be back, along with Peter and Olivia's future adult daughter, 
future adult daughter, Etta, Georgina Haig, I think it is. In case of anticipation is amped up enough, French producer J.H. Wyman has given us our first look at season five via the top secret script for the premiere episode dubbed Transilience through the Unifier Model 11. Possibly a code name or possibly something that blows our minds. We'll have to wait till September 18th to know for sure. Check out the script page below. We will actually embed that into our show notes so you can check it out. But, Miles, big question for you. What do you feel about jumping into a future of mm-hmm. of 2036? I'm fine with that. It um, As far, you know, it, it was a very interesting storyline that they were working through uh, one last season episode. And so... It's just one way to keep the story fresh. I mean, what? Uh, for, for, I, I know some people may not have liked it, but but the Davy Jones story has played itself out. It, it, yeah, it's done. We still have Nimoy, but Nimoy's in the future. And notice that even though Walter cut off his hand, he didn't kill Nimoy. No, he didn't. So, so um, we could have a fake hand. I mean, we have a Nina has a fake arm, right? That is true. But I mean, um, I, I'm sure um, uh, William Bell is just as da- you know, dangerous without even with the missing hand. I mean, so oh yeah, it's his mind, right? Right, so yeah, uh, I'm sure he'll still be able to cause plenty of. Uh, havoc. We still want to see the story about how they got into Amber. I think that's one of the stories we'll have to tell, and this can't be just a picking up. Mm-hmm. I like the idea, of maybe going back to some found footage. I don't know how that would actually work, but um, I do. I agree. For the next 13 episodes that we have, I would love to see at least some of those be future episodes, and just maybe why the observers decided to basically take over. Yeah. So what? 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 Brought well, I thought that on? we got. I thought we had a hint of that somewhere. They're, they ruined their world in the future, and they came back to take over a world. That. That okay. I, I, that I'll, I'll I'll take your word for that one. No, well, I I think that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Listeners, you can correct me if I'm wrong about why the observers are taking over the world. But if you know this, let us know what you think. Why the why the observers take, took over the world? And I wonder if we'll see September, um, the one observer, the one that was shot, right? The one that the one that's been closely associated with. I think we have to. I, I'm sure we'll see him again. Yeah, somewhere you know because he's jumping through time, right? Mm-hmm. Jumping through time. I love the fact that we're getting a little bit of a preview here of what this might be. Whether it's true or not, whether this is just Walter or John Noble kind of going off and mm-hmm. maybe giving too much out too soon. I mean, we've had these diversions before where people say, this is the way it's headed, and it's not that at all. Well, for the last season, it, whatever it is, it has to really rock. It really has to go out with a bang. It and does. So, it does. Mm-hmm. Um, because what you don't want is a season that just feels like it's dragging on. Right. So whatever – so by going to 25 years in the future, I think. And we've answered a lot of our questions. We've had a lot of our questions answered. We do have a lot of questions yet. Sure. But but bring it on. I can't wait until Fringe comes back. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about ratings. We had ratings come out this week. We aren't going to share all of these, although we'll link to the Blaster article that had them. Mm-hmm. But go ahead and talk about this a little bit. So Falling Skies Returns, Low, True Blood Dips, and uh, other genre shows. Our, our selection of shows grew yet again this week, and the summer's uh, just uh, getting started. Falling Skies premiered to, to lower numbers than it had last year, while True Blood dropped a, a bit but still managed to rule Sunday night's uh, ratings ranking. Meanwhile, Tron, Uprising, uh, Dove, and Saving Hope got a, a week two uh, boost. And so we'll just look at some of these ratings and let you know what, um, what's going on here. So uh, do I take every other one? Sure, that's fine. 
why don't you go ahead and start? So Lost Girl, uh, 0.91 million viewers. That's uh, pretty low. It was a good week for Lost Girl. The show hit the lowest viewership of sci-fi run so far, though its rating scores didn't suffer the same fate as uh, the Stanley Cup finish finals were in full swing that evening. So we might be able to chalk some of it up to that, but we'll see how next week fares. Yeah, I mean, come on. Uh, Lost Girl, uh, we have a lot of listeners that like Lost Girl, Mm -hmm. and I thought I heard that it got renewed for a third season. But again, it's not really a U.S. show, so I think they're just transferring it over. It's a a Canadian show, right? I I think you're right. Yeah, Yeah. so... uh, we, you know, whether or not it dives or not may not be. It won't. It won't influence whether it's being made, unless sure. some, unless somehow it's taken into account for Canadian shows. Yeah, I'm not Kevin sure. would know that. Kick whether it. whether our viewership really matters for Canadian shows. Mm-hmm. So, uh, continuum, man. I wish I could see that. It yeah. looks good. And yeah. can you be tantalized by it? Our, our, our friends up in Canada, you, you got to do some help us. Uh, see, you know, see continuum. Tell, tell them they have to somehow pipe it down here. Yeah. Yep. Teen Wolf on MTV, something I'm not watching, uh, had 1.76 million viewers, which is better than Lost Girl. Uh, and uh, after a hefty drop its first Monday on air this season, Teen Wolf bounced back Monday, pulling in about the same number of viewers, but earning a tenth of a point more in its rating. We'll see if the climb continues. Now, this is a show that Michael Hogan said he's going to be guessing. He either has already or – but he was oh, – Teen Wolf, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some old, old cougar in a – cabin somewhere yeah he's gonna play the grandfather of one of the characters uh, and a drunk so it's not too far from his <laughs> Battlestar Galactica character I'm sure he'll be great <laughs> he'll be he'll be great at it so the next one is, is Saving Hope uh, 3.98 million viewers um, after a somewhat weak uh, start last week uh, Saving Hope got a viewership uh, boost this week putting it much closer to the 4 million mark it broke even in the uh, all important Democrat ratings Though, and if those numbers don't improve, this might be a short-lived series. Now, are you watching Saving Hope? I saw the first one. I did record the, the last one, so I'll. You have, liked it enough to watch to record it. I'm I, yeah. Now I want to see what happens. They, they, they did something at the end that I thought, you know, okay, I'm, okay. I have to see what <laughs> I see what they're going to do. So, so you have to you have to find out. You found out, find out. They, they hooked you a little bit. They, they did a little bit. I have to yeah. I have to say this. Uh, Michael Shanks was was saying on Twitter the other day that you know he's happy about being on Saving Hope, but what he does miss is. Uh, not blowing crap up. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. This is a show I wish I was watching and I'm not, and that is Tron Uprising. I bet I could get that on iTunes. I, I didn't even check. I didn't even check. I'll okay. check that in a little bit. But Tron Uprising on Disney XD, 0.36 million viewers. Wow. That's- yeah, that's, that's a little low. Bad news for Tron Uprising. After a not bad but not great debut in Disney XD, the show took a serious dive its second week, losing enough viewers that it actually ended up with a zero demos rating score. We'll see how the rest of the season fares, but numbers like this are never too promising. Oh, no. A zero not- score. I don't think I've ever heard a zero score. Point three six. I mean, yeah, wouldn't it be just easier just to put how many hundreds of thousands of people that was? Yeah, yeah. It might, it might just, might just be. Yeah. The next one is True Blood. We know some of you are watching that. Um, it had four point four one million viewers. Um, uh, True Blood took a bit of a, a drop in the second week of the fifth season, but it still managed to top the night in uh, cable performance. Uh, uh, first Game of Thrones, now True Blood. It seems HBO is destined to rule Sunday night summer cable TV this year. Very good. And I can get Tron Uprising on iTunes. So I probably will watch it. But I, That's probably something you could probably watch with your son. I, I think so. I mm-hmm. think so. It's a it's a Disney thing. I, I think it'd be cool. Mm-hmm. Then I might get him into Tron. Yeah. Uh, True Blood. You watching True Blood? No. It's, it's HBO. It's not on the Yeah. So it's not, not available right. yet. 
kind of like Game of Thrones. You watch it a year later when it's on DVD. I yeah. think there are episodes of the earlier seasons that are either on Netflix or you can certainly buy them on iTunes. I just okay. haven't. Mm-hmm. Just haven't. So, and that's it for the shows. Any other shows that we should be talking about? Well, we don't have Falling Skies. I thought we had Falling Skies on here. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened there. Um, okay. But. Um, okay, we found Falling Skies, right? What's going on with Falling Skies? They had 4.46 million viewers. And um, Falling Skies actually managed to edge out True Blood total viewers for its uh, season uh, two premiere. But the uh, demo numbers uh, weren't enough to complete with the compete with the vampire juggernaut. Still, it did well, even if uh, it did finish a good deal lower than nearly 6 million viewers who watched the, the, second, the season one premiere and the uh, more than 5.5 who watched the season uh, one finale. But we'll see if the, those numbers can uh, climb as the season wears on. Oh, well, we'll find out. Mm-hmm. So uh, I liked it. Yeah, without giving anything away, I, I thought it was a very good season yep. premiere. And we'll talk about it on a listener feedback episode where we spoil everything. So. That's right. And we'll, we'll be released actually before this. So, mm-hmm. uh, Well, why don't you move into movie news? Why don't you talk about it? Because I have another piece of surprise news that I'm going to add in okay. a little bit later on that you don't know about yet. So, But I'm not trying to hide it from you, Miles. But go ahead. Tell us about this. So we finally got a Judge Dredd uh, trailer. First, uh, Dredd 3D trailer delivers a ballistic ballet of slow-mo carnage. Uh, so there are many things you'd want from a Judge Dredd movie, and most of them are, are spent, spent bullet casings hitting the ground. Luckily, the first good look at Carl Urban's take on Mega City One's infamous enforcer has all that and more. It's got Game of Thrones' Lena Hetty as, as a scarred drug lord named uh, Mama, who is uh, pushing a product that slows time down to a crawl. That's uh, Lena Hetty. Is she the one from uh, Terminator? Yes. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize. I forgot she was in Game of Thrones. Yeah, she. Uh, she's the queen. She's the yeah. Oh wow, I didn't put two and two together. That's her. So, it, it's got Olivia Thurby as a Judge Anderson who, with a fetching helmet like hairdo. It's got Urban doing his best tough guy drawl, and it's got high rise filled with uh, people who need some hot hot lead uh, judgment. Uh, so the trailer might made a bit more of an impact if last year's Attack of the Block and this year's uh, The Raid Redemption hadn't been uh, redefined. The, we're, we're trapped in a skyscraper stocked with uh, baddies that, that need uh, fighting genre. And if the power-mad drug dealer didn't feel like such an 80s villain. But let's face it, Drudge, Judge Dredd could have looked much, much worse. So we like this, right? I, I, I like the trailer, yeah. Let me go ahead and play the trailer for you, and we'll talk about a little bit about some of our impressions from this trailer. Ooh, an R rating. Feel as if time is passing at one percent its normal speed. If we play this right, we could take the whole city. is the manufacturing base for all the slow-mo in Mega City One. You know how often we get a judge up in peace trees? Well, you got one now. 
She has control of everything. Levels one to two hundred. This is Mama. Somewhere in this block are two judges. That's not good. I want him dead. We're gonna have to go through him. Rookie, you ready? Yeah. You look ready. Pretty good. I mean, if anything, it's going to be a good action film with uh, knock him up and shoot him and uh, you know bullets flying. It's going to be good from that end, right? Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, story wise, it's it's it, it's too early to tell. I mean, there's not enough there to find about character development or mm-hmm. talk about story. There, man, boy, Sarah Connor's come a long way, hasn't she? <laughs> yeah, she like, like her career has not suffered since uh, Sarah Connor Chronicles uh, went off the air. No, so it was, it was very cool. I mean, she you know she's a big role in, in Game of Thrones, and she's going to be in you know this big budget you know movie. So yeah, she she's doing well. Yeah. Well, in other movie news, we did get news that Transformers Four is going to be cheaper and likely to go into space. And please don't call it a reboot. <laughs> <laughs> so this is what uh, was said. Uh, while many of us soon began our summer vacations, Michael Bay was going back to work. Next week, the director will transition from a small film, Pain and Gain, to full pre-production mode for Transformers 4. Speaking to Los Angeles Times about the project, he dropped several new pieces of information. We already know that the film will feature a whole new cast. But Bay explained a bit about how Transformers 4 is not a reboot, which I'm glad. He also said it seems natural the film would take place partially in space. But it won't be full Cybertron set story because he has to make the movie for about $30 million less than Transformers Dark of the Moon. Space is pricey. Read his quotes more after the jump, um, which I'll basically read more of the story. Bay spoke to LA Times about the film while promoting Transformers Ride now at the Universal Studios Hollywood. Despite the new cast, he said it's not a reboot. It is not a reboot. That's maybe the wrong word. I don't want to say reboot because when people think that we're doing a Spider-Man and starting from the beginning, we're not. We're taking the story that you've seen, the story we've told in three movies already, and we're taking it in a new, in a new direction. But we're leaving those three as a history. It all still counts. I met with the writer before I went off to do Pain and Gain, and we talked about a bunch of ideas. We let this, that simmer for a bit. He's been thinking about stuff, and now we're getting back together next week to see what we got and see if it gels. So does that mean Optimus Prime and the crew will be leaving Sam behind on Earth and venturing into space? I think so, yeah, a little. That feels the way to go, doesn't it? I want to go a little off, but I don't want to go too sci-fi. I want to keep it grounded. That's what works in these movies. That's what, that's what makes it accessible. Bay said the movie would have to be made for about $30 million less than Dark of the Moon. Wix box office mojo is budgeted at $195 million, so don't expect it to be small, and that it would once again be his last. Here's the thing. 
It's tough to find someone who's done these kind of movies and to have the complication of creating new stuff that needs to be in this movie. Not just characters, but new types of action. I hope. That's a lot for someone new to bite off. So after this one, I will leave it in the best hands possible. That's the plan. Head over to the LA Times to read the rest of the article where he talks about his love for the rise, franchise, and more. So it will be released in June 2014. Do you trust that Bay can make it the best yet? Do you even care? <laughs> Do I care? You know what? As far as um, I, I mean, taking maybe taking them to space, uh, that, you know, or some space that that could be good. Um, you, I kind of thought the last two Transformer movies were, were a lot of sensor overload, and so if they have. I mean, thirty million dollars is a lot, lot of money. But I mean, that still leaves them with one hundred sixty-five million or so to make, you know, a movie. That's still a, a ton of cash to make a movie. They could still do a lot, and maybe instead of having so many battle scenes, so so many robots fighting each other, you know, maybe slow it down. It might be a good thing. Um, yeah, and the, I'm glad they kind of view the three as history and they aren't rebooting. Mm-hmm. I, I, th- this is what I was hoping would happen. We're, we're recasting. It's a new cast, but it's just a different story in the same universe. Right. Kind of a, a future universe without Sam. Sam's in college, got married, has kids, mm-hmm. uh, jumping 100 years into the future so everyone's dead and mm-hmm. the Transformers obviously aren't going to decay and be ar- they'll be around yet, right? Sure, and So right. Uh, you can have a lot of fun with it, I think. Absolutely, and I wonder if I wonder if he got some inspiration from the the first Transformers uh, movie that, that came from the TV series, where it, you know they introduced basically a whole new cast, a, a mostly new cast of uh, Transformers in that movie. Well, it's going to be cheaper as well, right? I mean, I mean to do that because mm-hmm. you have unknowns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know. I, Transform, you know, Transformers is what it is. It's, it's, you know, it's good fun watching robots, you know, beat each other up. You know, right? So, well, listeners, please weigh in mm-hmm. and let us know what you think. Whether you care whether we have a Transformers four or not, but uh, it depends. I need to see the trailer. Yeah, yeah. I need to see the trailer. Uh, I thought the first one stands out the most for me. I thought it had a, had a pretty really good story. I haven't seen Dark of the Moon yet. I still um, got to see it. So the other two were enjoyable. Um, but I thought just, just with, a lot of sensory overload with all all, yeah. all all that went on. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's move into our patio book re- review, which is a new segment. Two mm-hmm. weeks ago, or the two shows ago, we did John Moreau's Tools and Means. We did last week. We did We're Live. Right. We're going to do a story by Scott Ziegler that's kind of hailed as being the first podcasted novel. Okay. So it, it harkens back, I think 2006 maybe. I might have that date wrong, or 2009. It's one of the first podcasts and novels, and it's his novel, Earthcore. And let me talk about how this book has been my motivation to run. Oh, okay. <laughs> literally, 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 when I'm out jogging in the morning and I'm listening to Earthcore, I just picture some of the little creatures in this story after me, and I run a little bit faster. Hey, if, uh, if, if, if a little creature is chasing after you, makes you run faster, you know, more power to you. More power to you. It's great exercising. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so Earthcore. Let me tell you, Scott Ziegler, for a first time, you can tell that there's some sounds and you hear horns in the background. This is his first novel he's podcasting. Mm-hmm. It's done real well. 
Mm-hmm. He did a real good job. The voices are good. The urgency is there. The feeling you care about the characters. It's a well-developed novel. Now, to be fair, this novel was written years before it was podcasted. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like he just whipped this up for podcasts. But for those of you that are unfamiliar with Earthcore, it's still free in iTunes, by the way. You can listen to it, and it's engaging, and it's Scott Ziegler at his best with gore, horror, blood, guts, and <laughs> cussing, right? Um, but here's what it, here's a summary of it. Just get, kind of whet your appetite. And by the way, if you don't get it, I love this novel. It was good. It was good. Uh, deep down below a desolate Utah mountain lays the largest platinum deposit ever discovered, a billion-dollar fine. It waits for any company that can drill a world's record three-mile-deep mine shaft. Earthcore is that company with the technology, the resources, and the guts to go after the mother load. The young executive uh, Connell Kirkland is the company's driving force, pushing himself and those around him to uncover the massive treasure. By the way, this character develops, Kirkland. Mm-hmm. You kind of hate him at the beginning and you kind of have some empathy for him by the end. Oh, okay. uh, but Kirkland and Earthcore are not the first to find its treasure. The mountain's history reveals two centuries of disappearances, murder, and insanity. The discovery of the ancient platinum knives, razor sharp despite living lying untouched for a thousand years, reveals evidence of an ancient culture. If the artifacts are genuine, they show prehistoric empire that once spanned from the southern tip of South America all the way through the American Southwest. Wealth and fame lie under that Utah mountain, but three miles below the surface where the rocks are so hot they'll burn their skin, something has been waiting for centuries waiting and guarding and Kirkland and Earthcore are about to find out firsthand why this treasure has never been unearthed. Hmm. It's a great, it's a great story. It, it does sound um, intriguing. It is. I mean, there's some parts that I, there are some parts that I kind of had to like, I turned on the volume because I knew what was coming because Scott Ziegler does a good, when they torture someone in a Scott Ziegler book, he does a great job of describing it. Maybe too good. Uh, job. Uh, yes, yes, and uh, and it kind of puts you there, and you're kind of cringing. I'm like, oh, oh no, Sickler, please. Oh. We get but, the point. Yeah, but you just tell him you killed him. But the story is really good, and it, it, it holds together real well. And and um, it's sci-fi. It's uh, but there's obviously the research is done, and it. it's great. Good, it really is good. So if you need a, another podcast novel to listen to, Miles. There's one there. It's, it's good and it'll be there when I'm ready for a new one. It will be. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's uh, talk about this week in Star Trek. All right. Well, this week in Star Trek, it may not sound like – it's going to sound like more like Warehouse 13 news, but um, um, once, once I read it, you'll, you'll understand why. So Data and Kiva, Kiva's Faja reunite. Well, sort of. Brent Spiner to appear in Warehouse 13. I want to thank uh, uh, Chris and Charity Wood for putting this article up. We love Chris and Charity. We do. We have to have them on the show again sometime. But a Data and Kivas uh, re- reunite for all for all the Warehouse Thirteen fans out there. They're they're our favorite android. Brent Spiner will be joining Saul Rubinek and the cast in a multi episode arc. We're just uh, stoked to see Data and Kivas Fajo interact once again on the small screen. Kinda sorta. Brent will be playing uh, Brother uh, Adrian, leader of an intensely secretive sect, the Brotherhood of the Knights of the Black Diamond. Apparently, the sect descended from the Knights Templar and has loose uh, ties to the Vatican. Uh, Brent's first episode will be the season premiere of Warehouse 13's f- uh, fourth season, airing on um, July 23rd at 9 p.m. To my calendar. Yep, of course, uh, Brent isn't the first uh, Trek alum to grace the warehouse. Uh, as, as, as reported last year, Kate Mulgrew, Jerry Ryan, and Rene Aubergenois have all appeared on the show. You can check out the full details of the sci fi 
press release below. Um, so, um, so yeah, so we'll have uh, Brent Spiner. Um, he's going to be on, on Warehouse 13 for a few episodes. It'll be great. That'll be nice to see him back in there. By the way, can you say Renee's last name again? Uh, I think Aubergeonois. You do much better. I look at that and say, um, yeah, there's no way I'm pronouncing it. I had to practice it a few times before, <laughs> um, you know, I've, got, I've gotten used to saying it now. Yep. Well, that, just uh, on side note, Warehouse 13 averaged 3.3 million viewers each episode last year. Good. And next next article we have um, is uh, – and this is also from Chris and Charity. Uh, so new IDW Star Trek Next Generation comic series featuring the Borg as penned by Brandon Braga uh, heading to stores. Uh, Star Trek scribe and producer Brandon Braga returns to the Trek universe to write a new chapter in the Borg saga. IDW Publishing is set to release a new series of comics featuring Picard and company as they face down the dreaded all-consuming enemy. Brandon joins forces with fellow Trek scribe uh, Terry uh, – Matalas and artist uh, Joe uh, Corny to create Star Trek: The Next Generation's Hive for IDW. The new series focuses on the galaxy's fight against a full-out Borg invasion, taking the crew of the Enterprise on what IDW is calling a d- dynamic new journey that's packed with uh, mind-bending twists, time-jumping action, and uh, revered genre-defining characters. The new comic series will de- debut in September. It's a thrill and privilege to be writing in the Star Trek universe again," said Braga. This graphic comedian will provide uh, the narrative ambition and uh, visual scope this story deserves. The final chapter in the Borg saga. Well, that sounds cool. Are you going to be picking it up? I might. I'll have to, you know. I, I just might have to do that. It's, yeah. it, it, where do you buy your comics? There's a, there's a comic book store not too far from where I work. And so that's. Oh, it's the easiest way to do it. Right. Oh, mm-hmm. very, very good. Very mm-hmm. good. Well, it's kind of neat that we're going to be playing in the Trekverse again. Right, and uh, Brian Braga, he's um, mixed reaction. You know, some people uh, think you know he you know either helped you know save Star Trek or destroy Star Trek. Depends on who you ask. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So it depends on uh, what's what's going, uh, but, how people feel about his shows, and movies. Right. I mean, um, I mean, he has given us some good Star Trek. There's no doubt about. Yeah, that. there's no doubt about it. And some good seasons and mm-hmm. series that people loved. Mm-hmm. So there's absolutely no doubt about. It. Well, thank you for this week in Star Trek, Miles. My pleasure. Well, let's move into our last promo. And hey, if you are a nerd, this is the podcast for you. This is the Alpha Nerd Podcast. And uh, if you want to get your nerd on a little bit more than you do with the Sci Fi Diner, jump in, listen to the Alpha Nerd Podcast. Here's a promo. Hi, everybody. This is Richard Hatch from Battlestar Galactica, Captain Apollo from the original, Tom Zarek from the new reimagined version. Hi, I'm Felicia Day from the Guild. Hey, this is Daniel Felkner, uh, conceptualist from The Lord of the Rings. Hi, this is Aaron Gray from Buck Rogers in the 25th century. Hi, this is Dave Dorman. Hi, this is Jeff Smith. Hi, this is Mike Mignola, and you're listening to Alpha Nerd. Alpha Nerd. Alpha Nerd. Alpha Nerd. Alpha Nerd. The Alpha Nerd Podcast. Welcome aboard, guys. Welcome back. We have an interview that we are excited to share with you tonight. Our interview with Kate Vernon. Right. So tell us about this interview a little bit. Well, we had the, the opportunity to meet Miss Vernon at uh, Farpoint this past year, and uh, we only we gave ten or fifteen minutes, but she she was a fantastic uh, interview subject, 
and, and gracious, gracious all the way. Very gracious, and I seem to recall your camera not working right again. Yeah, we had multiple pictures. Yeah, we, I mean, I had to keep my arm around her for for yes. extended period of time. I mean, I'm yeah. sure it was hard for her, but you know, it's no wonder you got chewed out by Soul Tie. That's all I'm saying. After that, he must have gotten upset with me about uh, that. I, I, you know, I would. I mean, I would. Could have been some jealousy issues. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Um, Thanks for rigging your camera again. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I do what I can to help you out. <laughs> but no, uh, again, thanks to the people of Farpoint. They do a fabulous job of helping us get these guests and lining up the interviews. And if it, you guys listening on the podcast would not be getting these interviews if it weren't for the people at Farpoint. Thank you, right. Betsy Childs. Thank you, Steve mm-hmm. Wilson, and the many other people I'm thinking about that uh, might be listening. But these guys do a great job. And so we hope you enjoy our interview with Kate Vernon from Battlestar Galactica. Gentlemen, we're at Farpoint 2012, and we're thrilled to be talking to the lovely Kate Vernon, probably best known for her sci-fi fans for her work on Battlestar Galactica. Ms. Vernon, welcome, and thank you for taking time to talk with us on the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. We're delighted to be with you. So, can you tell us how you got the part of Ellen Ty? Yeah. I auditioned for it. <laughs> <laughs> I auditioned for it. I was on vacation at the cottage in Muskoka, Canada, and... Um, I, I got a call from my agent saying there's this part and they want you to audition for it, so I had to drive all the way. I thought I would do that, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll, you know, I'll do this. I'll, I'll I'll drive three hours back into town, put myself on tape, drive that tape to a FedEx place, and send it off. And um, and I really, when I read the audition sides, I had no idea what a Kylon or a Cylon was. <laughs> I wasn't, I was saying, you know, well, I wasn't familiar with, I knew about the first, the original show. Mm-hmm. Um, Lauren Green was a really good friend of the family. Oh, cool. My dad's. And, um, but I didn't know, I mean, it was just, you know, it wasn't my, right. on my periphery, wasn't familiar with the language. Was this word frack or is it, are you saying frake or I'm not sure what, <laughs> it must be frack because there'd be an E on the end if it was frake and right. it was frake, it must be, you know, so, so it was like sort of out of my element, but I loved the role of Helen Ty, and um, she was delicious. She was dangerous. She was manipulative. She was seductive. Um, she was very unpredictable, and I thought I'm gonna have some fun with this. So, so I auditioned for it and um, drove back up to the cottage, and um, three day, two or three days later, I don't even remember. I got a call. Late at night, Toronto time, um, it was like at 9.30, which is 7.30 Vancouver time, mm-hmm. from my agent there saying, you got the job. I'm like, what job? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I was so confused because it, this audition originally came through my Toronto agent, so now my Vancouver agent's calling. So he did Battlestar Galactica. And I'm like, really? Great. And he goes, yeah, but the thing is they want you there tomorrow. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? All right, no, no. And I really put my foot down. I said, no, I have a daughter. I'm in the boondocks out in Ontario. I have to organize some things. I'll be there in two days. Yeah. And he was like, are you sure you want to say that? And I said, I, listen, I don't, there's nothing to lose here. It's like, this is my life. Sure. I, I can't just get yanked like this. And, um,. And I really meant it. And they wait, you know, they waited two days, so. <laughs> and it was fantastic. So um, 
I really had no idea what a blessing this job was going to be, and uh, the blessings just kept coming, and they keep coming. Um, you know, we, we read that sometimes that Ellen Ty is sometimes compared with one of Shakespeare's most memorable women, you know, Lady Macbeth. Uh, he's married, uh, Ellen's married to a man, he's lying to a man, um, you know, it is, it is kind of hot. But um, I love the way she uses a combination of insult, flattery, and sexual temptation to get her husband into the game, very manipulative in some ways. Um, in all ways. Yeah, <laughs> did the writers kind of have that in mind when they were writing for Ellen Ty, or is this kind of, I mean, it's, you kind of mentioned that she's kind of a wild card, and I love that. I don't think they knew what kind of wild card they had until I got on um, the set in the scene, the dinner table scene. And that's where Eddie, who was directing that episode, allowed me to to plant my seeds. And I didn't know where I was going to go with this woman. I just, it was all happening, literally, in the moment. The, 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 the beautiful discovery of that character, her entire foundation is in that scene. Because she's unpredictable, she's manipulative, she's dangerous, she's lying, she's telling the truth, she adores her husband. You know, she's very cagey. She's working the table underneath. You know, she's she's in control of everything. And so that came from Eddie pushing the producers out of the room because they were looking at their clock and (laughs) tapping it and and giving me the time to discover the, 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 the ways of this woman, which led... Led, it opened the door for the writers to do anything. And that's when they, I think, got their aha moment of, wow, you know, Ellen walks into a room and nobody knows what's going to happen. And everybody's <laughs> kind of like, uh-oh, you know. And and they created so much potential for me. And, and, uh, and I've, I've been told by them that whenever... You know, Ellen came into the storyline. They were like little kids, like, "Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> what can we do with Ellen this show?" It's gonna be you fun know? now. Yeah. So it's safe to say it was kind of like a clean slate before you went in. And I mean, they didn't really know who she was until you sort of. Well, they knew. They knew that she was the woman behind Colonel Ty. Right. They, they knew that they wanted a strong woman behind Colonel Ty mm-hmm. to to um, move him to that top of his game. But they didn't know how that was going to be achieved, really. Like, mm-hmm. I filled it out. Cool. They, they outlined that, mm-hmm. and then I filled it out. Awesome. To the best of my ability. <laughs> oh, you, 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 you did a phenomenal job. I, mean, we, I watched the show from beginning to end, so. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Now, I remember after your character was killed off, there was a huge outcry on the internet. Um, did that surprise you about the fans' feelings towards you and your character? Totally. Um... You know, Ellen walked this really fine line of, you know, people really, really loved hating Ellen. They loved hating <laughs> Ellen. And I thought, and my dad was a villain. My dad played the villain in, in almost everything he, he worked on. And um, and I guess that little apple didn't fall that far from the tree. <laughs> um, because now I get to play these villainesses. And um, the thing is, is that you can't just play a villain straight out. I mean, my backstory with with uh, Colonel Ty Saul was that I was deeply in love with him. Mm-hmm. And I was in competition with Adama. 
was in competition with the ship. I was in competition with all these things. And I'm like the low person on the totem pole in this marriage. And all I want was him. But he's busy. He's doing He's like, you know, you know, his commitments belong to other things. And it drove her crazy. She had nothing to do on the ship other than look fabulous, drink, and get in trouble. And, and you know, like I said, there was no therapist on the ship, so she figured out how to stir things up just to get his attention. A little immature, but, um, you know, that was that was the best she could do. But, but the... What was the question? Well, just... The, 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 well... The outcry of, of when you when your character was killed off. Yeah, so so people loved people people really you know I was the antagonist mm-hmm. and dangerous mm-hmm. because people also they were attracted to they they want to mess around with them but they don't want to die <laughs> they don't want to get hurt you know the, the the cost is really high so there's that fantasy of going towards something that which is really bad for you and really sure. dangerous for you so she was she had that element. And then when I died, the 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 feedback the feedback was tremendous because then people were so confused because then they then they hated loving me. You know? <laughs> then it was like they had all these feelings for me that they realized that I you know, I'd risked my life for Saul and, sure. and then he had to kill me and what an incredible act of courage I did for him and Here's my payoff. I get bumped, and <laughs> they, 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 you know these incredible feelings of people now having to love me, but they hated loving me because they loved hating me. And I thought, wow, I've done my job. I don't know how I did it. But they I bring you it. back, season four, as a resurrected hell. Yes. How did you play it differently being resurrected? Um, or did you? The through line was. The writing was different um, as well for my character, um, and the, but the through line was is that now I'm grounded. I know who I am, and I want to be with my husband. Now I get to be with my husband. Now we are fully realized, downloaded, full-on Cylon beings. We know who we are, and we finally get to be together. And that rooting and that groundedness um, is how I played it. You know, she was just rock solid. Of course, there was that little hiccup with Six and her husband. <laughs> We're flat, right, right. Expecting that. <laughs> we you know, got through that. <laughs> well, what I liked, I mean, when you were resurrected, I mean, the conflict, I mean, when you come out of the pool and you're just Ellen, but then, then not even, like, five seconds later, you're Ellen plus your past life, and just you're Ellen plus, I mean, Ellen, Ellen if she was dangerous Ellen before, she was, she's, you know, a hundred times more dangerous now. Ellen on steroids, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Mark Rose here, I am at Far Point 2012 with a very gorgeous Kate Vernon. How are you? I'm Stellar. You are stellar. Stunning and stellar. (laughs) I have a lot of questions to get in in 10 minutes, but I want to start with you and your life. John Vernon. Oh, my God. Your father. Actor extraordinaire. And as I heard from a recent interview, uh, he was a baddie. He played a heavy. He was the voice, everything. How was that growing up? Uh, You were a young person and seeing celebrities and 
is that one of the incentives that got you into becoming an actress? Tell me a little bit about that. Well, I think, you know, my, yeah, I grew up in the household. My dad was an actor, and he wasn't a doctor. He wasn't a, a carpenter. Well, I should say, you know, shedding. Um, he, he did work with his hands. He had you know, woodworking. But it was normal. You know, you know, it was normal for him to walk around talking to himself, memorizing his lines. It was normal for him to leave for a couple months at a time. It was normal for... You know, certain people. And how normal for you, as a daughter of an actor like that, did you? I mean, I guess it was normal, but did you kind of discover that? Hey, my dad is doing this. He's on screen. He's traveling. He's other than most people, you know, peers your age, didn't have celebrity dads. I'm sure running around like that all the time and being in films. Uh, my dad was a very grounded man. He didn't wear a celebrity hat. Ever. Awesome. And so I grew up in a very realistic house. And when it was cold, he said, put a sweater on. Nice. <laughs> you know, Good like, dad. Dad. You know, we yeah. had to sneak away to the department stores with my mother to, like, right do on. a big shopping and then go downstairs and, like, hide all the bags. Yeah. Did people recognize him when you were oh, out sure, with him? sure. Yeah, and I got, I got all that growing up. I yeah. thought that my dad was something else. Sure. And, you know, who's my dad? Good. Yeah, to you, it was dad. Sure. Now, the dad and meeting names that I'm sure you could drop back in those days get you involved in really to wanting to become an actress like that? That stuff didn't get me interested. What did that? What got me interested is is the psychology of breaking down a character and and then putting myself... Ellen Ty, for example. Of course, really Battlestar Galactica, that's what we know her from best. It's a, she's a really different woman than I am. Yes. She's, she's, she's a full-on, um, externalized, out there, she walks into a room and, and demands attention. Yes, she of course. Wants to, you know, she's, that's not who I am. I'm right. much more under the radar, sure. and I like to come up when I'm comfortable. So how was that diversity as an actress playing Ellen? when you were just kind of an opposite uh, character, per se? Um, it, it was very, it was really scary. There were definitely parts of Ellen that were really challenging for me to, to fill. And, um, and, it's, and it's thrilling. It's really thrilling to be able to play. I mean, acting is like a big sandbox for adults. And sure. You just get to play get there. Yeah. And as long as you're within the confines of your character, the boundaries of the circumstances, and you're acting truthfully, you know, and it's safe, you do your homework and you get in there and you, you're free. Yeah. You know, and then my job is to leave it in the sandbox. Sure. You know, go and take a shower. And, and you're you and live again. my life. Right. Exactly. You're Kate again. For being on the set of Battlestar Galactica, do you have any really, and I know you get this all the time, but fun, humorous, any really wild story, maybe something that no one's heard before, we will hear it here first, sure. that you can share with us a little bit. I wish, you know, I just have to do this and think about uh, stories for you guys, because um, I just had great experiences, you know, oh. I just had great experiences. I mean, I worked mostly with Hogan. And Eddie, um, and and working with Hogan was like being with the biggest kid in the sandbox, you know. <laughs> and, and I, you know, you never know what you're going to get with him. And um, for instance, like the, the the kind of like the core of our debauched kind of connection relationship was discovered at that dinner table scene. 
my first scene when after I go boom to Adama and I just right. wanted to crack that man's face. Sure. So I was yeah. punched it as, as hard as I could <laughs> with this boo and he kind of <laughs> did that. Uh-oh. But, but then he says, well, I think that's it for tonight. <laughs> and I felt like a little girl that got busted and turned to Hogan and we giggled we had this because I had just met yeah. him that day. Oh wow! And I've met everybody that day. Yeah. This was a, like I got launched that day, and uh, we giggled like two little kids. <laughs> and that between us, two sure, we sure. Oh yeah, we're getting sent home now. Yeah, yeah. You know that that's like the core of well, the out there's yeah. the spirit. That's awesome. The characters. Yeah. Naughty naughty of course. And you were really naughty. That's that's fun though. I mean you had all that run. I interviewed Edward James almost yes. and uh, quite a few others from the cast. And uh, is, is there anything of your character of Ellen that you would have wanted to change or maybe I, I mean of course you're gonna go with the script, you're gonna do your job. But is, you know, in in reflection, in retrospect, what would you have brought into her a little more? Um, I would have liked to. I would have liked to have had more uh, time. Um, really, people didn't. What I really didn't like was people just seeing the linear shell of Ellen and calling her a bitch. Right, you know, it's right. like I'm doing everything I can here to like create a multi-dimensional character. And I wanted, I wanted people to know how much she really loved her husband, and that's why she did all these crazy things. Right, and right. I just wanted a little bit more of that, um, and I didn't get it. You know, they really kept me mysterious or whatever. Sure. And um, and then that paid off in the end with the reveal. Of the gotcha. Right. But yeah, I would have liked to deepen my character. That's when I nice. come back as the fifth, it was like finally. Right on. Fantastic. <laughs> well, my God, I mean, you've done that. You've done so many other acting roles. I loved you in Voyager as Valerie Archer. That was wonderful. You just Thank were you. fantastic in that. Is there any particular role that you really enjoyed playing? Ellen. Really? Ellen. Good. Ellen's the bomb. <laughs> Ellen is the bomb. I mean, she look at what I got to play. Oh, of course. I mean, she, she was she. There was no holds bar. I didn't. She wasn't. She didn't answer to anybody. Exactly. And I got to do what I wanted with her. Nice, and nice. Now, are you a fan, or have you ever been a fan of any sci-fi, horror, or genre, a film, television? I, you know, I wasn't a sci-fi fan before this, and this has really opened my eyes and. The thing about it that I loved about Battlestar was that it wasn't classic sci-fi. It's a it's a it's a relationship drama that takes place in space, right? And um, and it's character driven, sort of circumstantially driven, and and everybody can relate to it. And and that's I need to come from something like that. But then now my eyes have been open to. Wonderful fantasy movies yeah. and TV shows and more science. That's fantastic. So yeah. It's been, it's been Good. Great. Now, your fan base, I mean, you come out and you do a lot of conventions. I, I saw on I the internet. Not a lot. How many? Because I've seen you at some really big shows. When did you start doing shows? I don't know, four years ago. Okay. Not, not, I really haven't done a lot. Okay. Uh, I'd like to do more. 
that would be good. You heard it here. Get her out there. We'll promote it. All right, for yeah, sure. sure. No, I'd love to do more. I haven't done the East Coast yet. Okay. At all. Right. So, so you're here, first uh, first East Coast. Right. So, yeah. I'm here. Good. So I'm a little jet lagged. I've just flown in from England. Real. <laughs> so I guess I am on the East Coast. And it still looks wonderful, and I think it is oh, the East Coast. Yeah. East Coast. Baltimore is. Good to know. Um, couple I know. last questions. I know. Yes. You're here. This is Baltimore. I'm we love you wherever you go. Thank You've you. You've got fans. <laughs> How is it signing autographs and meeting that fan base? one-on-one talking oh, to you. No, Tell me you a little bit about you know, We only have, what, one minute left? Yeah. Okay. 30 seconds. You know, this is the only genre where you get to travel the world and meet people who come to you to tell you how much they love you. Right on. You know, and I am so grateful for that. Cool. And I mean, look, at we're in a world of Mr. Business where you work, you don't work, you don't work, you don't work, whatever sure, it is. Sure. And you don't know your effect on the world until you're really out there. And this is the one genre where people you really, really can. do tell you the impact you've given or have had on them. Huge follow. And I'm glad and you're very part of it. Yeah, good. Any projects you'd like to talk about? Uh, anything that's coming up in your um, professional career that you'd like to get out there that I can write about? Well, you know, it's... Um, Without having to kill me. <laughs> right. No, it's or your pilot, agent having to kill me. It's pilot season right now. I just I tested for two pilots and did not get them, but you know, awesome. it's still pilot season. Got awesome. the firm coming up on airing right. on that in a couple of days. Fantastic. So. Good. Downtime, off time, what do you like to do? What do you enjoy? Hobbies? Um... Um, my daughter. Right on. And um, the back of my uh, my companion's motorcycle. Wow, fantastic. The, the Indian, the chief. I'm there. Right on. Do you ride yourself? No, I'm the biker. Rather be in the back. back right? I don't ride, but it's like. The biker may be in the back. Yeah. Awesome. Can't get enough of that. Going down on a motorcycle, Ellen waving as she yeah. goes down. <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast. We hope you enjoyed that interview. We are about to close up the diner for tonight, but before we go, we have a sci-fi five and five. Do you we want do. to tell us a little, little bit about it? Yeah, I was thinking, you know, what other great quotes from you know some of our favorite characters? You're, in you're a quote man. That's all I'm saying. You're a quote man. I, yeah, and I mean, you just hear something, it makes you laugh, it sticks with you, and and Rodney McKay, you know, he just came to mind. I just watched him on, on Stargate Atlantis. Uh, he, he he made me laugh. I mean. Would I be best buds with this guy? Eh, probably not. But if I had I want a, to shoot him, but anyway, I want to ring his neck. Give but, me Ronan's gun, and I'm good to go. But <laughs> if I had a problem, and if you know um, things are going to blow up and go to hell, you want this guy out by your side because you, your chances of coming out alive are, are increased a hundredfold with 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 Rodney McKay. So, but he had some great great quotes over the over the series, and so I'm going to share some of them with you. All right. Would well, you want to take the odds? I'll take the evens. That, that should be good. All right. So why don't we start at number five, and let's go with our – in our sci-fi five and five, the top Dr. Rodney McKay quotes. So, so – well, so somebody woke up on the wrong side of the pod. And this is after Todd uh, is getting out of the stasis pod in, in, yeah. in, 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 in aboard a high ship. <laughs> yeah. I love that quote. Number four, I'm great with kids. The little ones that don't talk back when Taylor had her child. <laughs> uh, number three, 
You just can't resist bringing up the fact that I once accidentally destroyed a couple of planets, can you? Uh, this is to John Shepard after being connected or commented how he, he, he should be used to uh, removing planets from the ancient database after destroying the replicator homeworld. <laughs> <laughs> and number two, you wouldn't shoot an unarmed upside-down man when caught in a trap laid by Ronan Dex hanging upside down. Yes. That must be one of the early episodes. Probably a season three. Okay. Yeah. Well, and this... There's a couple, you know, there's a little bit of dialogue going here so you get the context. Okay. Uh, this is from McKay. Uh, Can we stop for a second? Shepard says, no. M- McKay says, look, I mean no disrespect, but the guy's uh, hardy. And ever, and ever since, uh, heavy, I'm sorry, and, and heavy, and ever since I was shot in the ass by an arrow, I've been prone to sciatica. No? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I just remember that episode where he gets shot in, with an arrow in, in, in the buttocks, and uh, I, I, just, I remember him screaming, this did not just happen. Oh <laughs> um, uh, well, uh, some great. Uh, that's a trip down memory lane. Mm-hmm. Well, and fellow dinies, if you have any of your top five that you want to share, send them in. Uh, you can email us at the sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com or call us at one eight 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 five zero eight four three four three, and we'll air it on the show. That's yes, for sure. if you they, they could be the best of, worst of. I mean, hey, and we can we can certainly come up with our own. But we we often love to hear listeners. Uh, you know, chime in and let us know theirs. Yes, we'd love to hear your, your sci-fi five and five. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I believe that's about it, Miles. It's time for us to kind of dim the neon lights, clear the tables, and uh, get ready to lock up this place. All right. Well, so until next time, good night and good luck. We will see you.